I'm teaching on Wednesday about the Sabbath. Sabbath does not mean seventh. It means rest. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews that if we're going to enter into God's rest, and I keep saying this, the word, what you don't do on the Sabbath or what you do on the Sabbath is rest, katapasis. Katapasis comes from the word pause and kata meaning down. It means to settle down or cease your own works. Now, over here in Hebrews, I'm using a verse to show you what this spiritual Sabbath is. All of the rituals of the Old Testament were nailed to the cross with Christ. The law comes in two parts. The letter, that's the rituals, and the spirit. The letter killeth, and the spirit giveth life. The spiritual part of the law, spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is truth. John fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, John fifteen, twenty six, John sixteen, thirteen, first John five and six, the Spirit is the truth. So the Spirit or the truth is what gives us life. Now I've read this verse over and over again to you, and I want to read it again. Over here in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. The third and fourth chapter is about Israel not willing to do the will of God when they get to Kadesh Barnea. And that Kadesh Barnea is right under Israel in the Sinai Peninsula. They were unwilling to go into the land and destroy the Anakims in the land of Anak. And these people at Anak... You're down here in Kadesh Barnea, and down here in the bottom of the peninsula is where they went. They left Egypt over here. i got to move this out of the way. They left Egypt, and when they got down to the bottom of the peninsula of the Sinai, that was where Mount Sinai was, and they leave Egypt. They come down here. Then they come up here to Kadesh Barnea. God tells them to go in and conquer the land of Anak, which we call the Gaza Strip. Now, they were not willing to go in because of these real tall men, these giants in the land. So they said, we can't go in because they're so overwhelming. So God makes them wander the wilderness for 40 years. They spied out the land for 40 days, a year for a day, until he killed off all the unbelievers from 20 years old and upward. I've said that about every week for the last eight weeks. But it has to do with this spiritual Sabbath. Well, he says in that third chapter of Genesis, he talks about the katapasis, the rest of God. They could have rested if they had gone in And they could have had this rest, which was a picture of the Sabbath. 
And God equates the Sabbath with going into the promised land after 40 years in the wilderness. The 40 years was for one reason, to kill off all the unbelief. And I keep saying it has to do with our lives. God's got to kill off the outer man, which does not believe God, outer man, with the flesh, Paul said in the seventh chapter of Romans, I serve the flesh, and with the inner man, I serve the law of God. And God has to take years of trial and fire to burn out that outer man. And that's all we have kind of operating for us, even when we're born again. And God has to put us through fire and trials to cause us to cease our own works. Now, I put a title up here. Sabbath or rest means to cease the works of our hands. Why Cain was not a son of God, he offered the works of his own hands. That's what he did. And that God said Israel worship that which their hands had wrought. So, Worshiping the works of your own hands is actually your sin. And that is why I believe that Cain, Cain was a bastard son. Bastard son. Bastard is the word mamzer. Mamzer in the Hebrew. And it means one who has no inheritance one who doesn't have any inheritance it's a pretender now God in the New Testament said what's going to determine a son is if I whip you with if I whip you with a scourge he, the, the Bible says he scourges every son he receives sons And this has to do with being a son of God. Cain was not numbered in the lineage of God in Genesis, the fifth chapter. We find that Genesis 5 starts with God had a son and called his name Adam. Adam had a son and called his name Seth. Seth had a son called his name Enosh and so forth all the way through that chapter. I believe these are the sons of God. These are the ones that had the promise. It goes all the way down to Noah. And then then it continues in the 11th chapter, Genesis 11, with the son of Shem. Shem's son was Arphaxed. In the 11th chapter, Arphaxed. And you have a list of sons here. Arphaxed, and he has a son named Serug, and you go all the way down, or excuse me, Salah, not Serug, Salah, he has a son named Salah, and it takes you all the way down to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's a reason that Cain was not Numbered in Genesis 5, he was an illegitimate son of of Adam and Eve. What do you mean by illegitimate? He was conceived out of wedlock, I'm absolutely sure, because 
in Genesis the 11th chapter, not 11, Genesis the 4th chapter, you have the lineage of Cain, but Cain's lineage does not go back to God. It just starts with Cain out of the clear blue sky. No father up to God. You had to be a bastard son to have no father. An illegitimate son was called a mamzer in the Old Testament. It's mentioned twice in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, bastard is mentioned once. And the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he scourges, he chastens and scourges. And if you be without chastisement, then are you bastards and you're not a son of God. Chastisement and scourge has to come up on every believer has to come on every believer that believes God. If you don't have the chastisement and the scourge, the scourge is the word mastix, M-A-S-T-I-X, or mastigao. Mastigao is the whip the mastix was a scourge. Mastigao is the noun form, and it, it was a whip with leather strips on the end of it. That's what they beat Jesus with, and it had pieces of glass and bone all through that. And they would beat a man with it, and those guys who used that whip, they were artists with it. They could rip a guy's hide off his back, They did this to Christ until they could see the innards of Christ pulsating. And the scourge would usually kill a man itself. Christ had to be a very strong man to endure the scourge and then go to the cross. And God says, I will beat you with an inch of your life in order to get rid of that outer man. You've got to cease your own works That's what this fourth chapter of Hebrews says. And what is our works? Our sin. It's the works of our hands that we're proud of. And he says here in the fourth chapter, I'm going to read. I'm not going to go through the third and the fourth chapter completely. I'm just going to read this here. And there remaineth therefore the rest, verse 9 to the people of God. That word rest is sabbatismos. It's the Sabbath. And it's mentioned one time in these two chapters. And kataposis is mentioned over and over again. And it connects it directly with the sabbatismos, with the Sabbath. Then he says, He that is entered into his he just said there remaineth a Sabbath for the people of God and he that enters into God's katapasis which is what takes place on the Sabbath which is nothing they couldn't leave their house you can look at the 16th chapter of Exodus they couldn't go out of their house they couldn't travel somewhere they had to stay at home they didn't go to a for the Sabbath keepers out there, they didn't get in their car and drive down to a church. They didn't go over to see the 
They didn't go see the priest offer sacrifices at the altar. They didn't do that. The priests were over there defiling the Sabbath and yet were guiltless working all day long on the Sabbath and the people were staying at home eating and sleeping. Now, for he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did his. He ceased from his ergon. Now, we've already said this. Ergon means to toil or labor. So you cease in order to enter into the Sabbath. But but the Bible equates that works over there in Galatians, the fifth chapter. Now, the works of the flesh, works of the flesh are the works of the outer man are these. And it names adultery and it goes into all this list of sin. That's what you cease, and that's what Cain did not do. Cain had to have been a bastard son. He was not listed in the inheritance of God in the fifth chapter, but in the in the fourth chapter, you find Cain's lineage, and it doesn't go back to God. No God. No God in his lineage. He had to have been a bastard by necessity. If you're a Jew and you're firstborn, you have to be listed as the inheritance. Reminds us of Reuben. Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, he was unstable as water. And Jacob, Jacob, Reuben would have been the high priest, the king, and he would have had the inheritance. Inheritance always reminds me of the New Testament word. We have obtained an inheritance being predestinated. Our inheritance, kleronomia. Kleros comes from kleros. Means a portion. And nomos. Now, most is the Greek word law. It means a legal inheritance, a legal portion. That's because we've been predestinated. And from from verse 5 of the same chapter, Ephesians 1, the Bible says we we, that we have been adopted, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. Adoption is... You have to be adopted into the kingdom. Adoption. Having predestinated something. Adoption. Uh, huio. H-U-I-O. T-H-E-S-I-A. It comes from huios, which is the word sons. And tithome, it means to place. You don't place yourself as a son in the kingdom. God does that through predestination. Prohorizo. He has predestined us for the light. He did not predestine. Pro before horizo means to bound inside the horizon or inside the light. Inside the light. Well, Cain was not in the light. Let's go back over to... Let's see why Cain was not in the lineage of God. And what this does, this puts the sons of God 
The sons of God are those men in Genesis 5. These are sons of God. Sons of God. When you get to Genesis 6, we see the sons of God intermarry with the daughters of men. The daughters of men would be the sisters of the sons of men. Son of men. That would be the lineage of Cain that doesn't go back to God. To be called a son of someone, a son, these are not fallen angels intermarrying with with women. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And it's funny that a lot of preachers preach that. Even John MacArthur preached that when he's young. I hope he's learned since then. Son, when the sons of God went into the daughters of men, that would be the believers, apostatizing, intermarrying with these pagan and Cain and his lineage were a bunch of pagans. They worshipped the gods of this world. They made up their own gods. So that would be believers, truth, marrying a lie. And I keep saying, that has to be going on at the end of time because Matthew, the 24th chapter, tells us, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They'll be eating, drinking, marrying, marrying, and here's the amazing thing. They will be giving in marriage. To give in marriage means to marry two things that don't belong together. That means marrying truth to a lie. Well, are they marrying truth to a lie nowadays? Oh, yeah. Yes, sirree. The Baptist preachers are talking about accept Christ, and that's absolutely not true. That's not the method of salvation. The Bible says the natural man... 1 Corinthians 2.14 does not receive spiritual things. He does not receive decomai, D-E-C-H-O-M-A-I. Comes from dec, meaning it's the word ten in the Greek, decomai. A decade is ten years. Ten years. And decomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. The Bible says men who are dead in their sin do not accept spiritual things. So when you're dead in sin, that's not the method of salvation, accepting Christ as your personal Savior. That is mixing truth with a lie. That's what it's doing. As yanking something out of Scripture, the Bible says you can't accept Christ when you're dead. The Baptists are saying you can. It's not true. Why am I so intent on that? My father preached. 
He was an independent Baptist preacher. I know all about you independents. You can't tell me nothing about you. I was raised in Fort around a whole bunch of those. That's where the independent Baptists were founded. They had the truth at first. They, they left the Southern Baptist Convention in the 1920s because the Southern Baptists had fallen away from predestination. The Southern Baptist was founded on predestination. Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, were founded on these doctrines of the sovereignty of God. They don't believe in them anymore. I know all about independent Baptists. I knew a lot of the oldies myself. In fact, the first president of the... Well, let me... The, the, seminary head of the independent baptist in fort worth j frank norris organized it dr roy kemp was his head of his seminary he was a dear friend of mine and i knew him well i know about those guys they preached they fell away from predestination started preaching accept christ because billy graham preached it they started preaching the sinner's prayer for salvation. The Bible does not teach that sinner's prayer. This, what this is is bearing truth to a lie. It's going on in the world today. Sinner's prayer for salvation. The Bible says, and they go to Romans ten thirteen, but they never read verse fourteen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that's true after you're born again. But the Bible says the next verse, verse 14, How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? You don't call on a God you don't believe in. And belief is the method of salvation. Paul said so. He said in Acts 16, when the Philippian jailer came and fell down at his feet, said, what must I do to be saved? Paul didn't say, would you pray this prayer and mean it with your heart? Would you like to accept Christ? He didn't say that. He said, believe. If you believe something, you do it. Believe is a verb. It's the verb form of faith. Faith is the word P-I-S-T-I-S. Faith is the noun. Believe is the verb. Faith is P-I-S-T-I-S. P-I-S-T is the stem of the word. Believe is P-I-S-T-E-U-O. E-U-O makes it a verb, makes faith the noun. We're saved by grace through faith. And you don't, none seeks after God. Therefore, God has to cause you to seek him and put faith in your heart. Then you will call upon him. Then you will accept the things that he said. Only after he births you by his will. We're born again, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. I want us to get back over here to... We have a mixed religion in the world today. We have truth marrying a lie. This is not the sons of God marrying the daughters of men is not fallen angels. Angels. Marrying believing women. 
If it's happening in the days of Noah, it's got to be happening at the end of time because Matthew 24 says so. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They'll be eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. If this were... It can't... No possible way it can be fallen angels. Where are the fallen angels? According to Second Peter, the second chapter. Second Peter, the second chapter. The Bible says the fallen angels, they're reserved. They are reserved unto destruction. They're being kept in Tartarus. That's the only time it's mentioned in the Bible. It says hell. It means the lowest parts of hell. They're being reserved. Tereo. They're being guarded. For the day of judgment. They're being reserved. And they're not wandering around the earth. They're not out here hovering around the spirits. It's not true. They're not fallen angels. First of all, angels do not marry. Jesus said so over in... this. Here's something that really gets me. When they say angels marry and that they produce giants, giant, the word is Nephilim, N-E-P-H... I-L, that's singular. I-L-I-Y-M. I-Y-M is plural. And they say they preach Nephilim, or they produce Nephilim. The Bible calls them giants, but when you define the word Nephilim, it means bullies or tyrants. Now, you can be five foot six and be a tyrant. You can be a Baptist preacher and go in there and try to tell them Christmas is pagan. It's against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. And they don't even care. Got a picture up here that I had Jesse put up here. This is the worst thing in the world about Christmas. It shows a little boy over here in America dreaming about all he's going to get. And this this came out back in 1992 out of a book called The Forum. And it shows a little boy dreaming about movies and about comics and football and little play cars. And this was back when the, what do you call that, uh, that computer, what was that called? Pac-Man. Back when Pac-Man was popular and bicycles and, and ball bats and baseballs and skateboards and CDs. And he's dreaming about all that. And then you got a third world person laying on the ground dreaming of a bowl of rice. That's what's wrong with the Christmas. It's insane. And it's about children anyway. Where did God talk to children throughout the Bible? Nowhere. He had, you had to be a man and mature to be a prophet of God. We've switched everything around. We've got truth marrying a lie. 
Now, it's not possible. Here's what Paul says. Here's what, here is what Jesus says. Let's look over here. Let's look at, uh, let's look at, uh, in Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Matthew, 22nd chapter. When people say these angels, these are fallen angels, that's ridiculous. Look at Christ in the 22nd chapter of, of Matthew. 22nd chapter. The Sadducees did not believe in a bodily resurrection. And they come to Jesus. And they say to Jesus. Now this you're going to find this all throughout the Old Testament. What it's about. Matthew 22. The Sadducees come to Christ. Since they didn't believe in a bodily resurrection. Alright, 22nd chapter. The same day came him to him the Sadducees. Verse 23. Came to the Sadducees which say that there is no resurrection, no bodily resurrection. They didn't believe in that. Asking him, Master... Moses said, if a man die having no children, and his brother shall marry his wife. Now this has to do with Cain. Abel didn't have any children. So there had to be a substitute for Abel. You find the substitute in Matthew, excuse me, in Genesis, the fifth chapter. In fact, you find the substitute, the brother, the surviving brother, had to marry his brother's wife and raise up the first son had to be to his brother. The Bible says so. Let me read this, and you've got to think about it because it's connected with the Old Testament. <clears throat> Saying, Master, for men die having no children... And his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now, there were with us seven brethren. And the first, when he had married a wife, deceased and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also and the third also and the, to the seventh. And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, they didn't believe in it. Whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her sexually. Jesus sanctioned and said, Ye do err. Planeo, our form of that. Not knowing the scripture. I have so many people write to me and they don't know nothing about the Bible. And they're telling me what I'm supposed to do with the Bible. Not, you're, you erred because you don't know the scripture nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, 
but are as the angels of God in heaven, which neither marry nor give in marriage. How can fallen angels marry women and produce giants? But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are living with the Father in heaven wherever he is. That's what he's saying. So angels neither marry nor are given in marriage, do they? No. Now, all right. I want you to go to Deuteronomy 25. This will tell you all about it. Deuteronomy 25. Now, that story of the Sadducees come to Jesus is twice in the New Testament. Two times is what it takes to confirm something in Scripture. Two witnesses. And Jesus gives it twice. He gives it in Luke 20, 34-38 also. What we just read. Now look here in in Deuteronomy 25. And I'm trying to show you why Cain was a bastard son. He didn't enter into God's rest because he didn't cease his own works. He offered the works of his hands. Now look here in Deuteronomy 25. And this will clear this up for you. Deuteronomy 25 and Deuteronomy 25 verse 5. If brethren dwell together and one of them die and have no child. That's what Jesus said to the Sadducees. You don't even know this. You know the scriptures. And one die and have no child, the wife of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. You can't marry anybody outside of the family. Her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her to him to wife and perform the duty of an husband's brother unto her. And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name of the brother which is dead. That's exactly what happens in the fifth chapter of Genesis with Seth. Seth means substitute. He was the substitute for Abel. Adam had a son whose name was Seth. And it shall be that the firstborn which beareth shall succeed in the name of the brother which is dead, and that his name shall not be put out of Israel. Now let's go back to Genesis. Genesis, the fifth chapter. Let's actually go to the fourth chapter first. Now in the fourth chapter, we see that Let's read a little bit of the fourth chapter so you can 
blend this together because it goes just like a puzzle. It synthesizes. Adam knew Eve, his wife, in verse 1, chapter 4. He knew sexual intimacy, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, this is what Eve said. Well, this gets a little complicated, but let me go slow with it. Eve said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. You know what she was saying? She was. She didn't give. First of all, Adam and Eve knew nothing about nine months pregnancy. They didn't know anything about pregnant. But with child, they didn't know anything about that. How many people that had been born before this and had children? Nobody. They didn't know about a menstrual cycle. They didn't know about being pregnant. When did Eve get pregnant with Cain? Oh, in the previous chapter, when they were both found out, when they partook of the tree, and they found out that they were naked. When they found out they were naked, and they're looking at each other, when a man and woman are standing there in the garden, they take each other sexually. And that's when Cain was conceived, and the marriage wasn't even consummated yet. God had not given them their marriage vows to later in this chapter. And what Eve is thinking of when she says, I've gotten a man from the Lord, how would she know that she got it with this sexual act from Adam? She wouldn't know nothing about that, would she? Not a thing. Here's what she's thinking of. She's thinking of when God said previously in verse 16 in the previous chapter, God says unto the woman, I will, I will, I'll do this. I'm the one that's going to do this. So she's thinking this comes from God. I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. That word conception, haron, H-E-R-O-W-N. actually means pregnancy. She's already pregnant. Where did she get pregnant? Earlier in the chapter when Adam looked at her and he wanted her. Do I believe she was beautiful? I believe she was gorgeous and he was super handsome. That's what I believe they were. Why not? So they took each other and go back to the Chapter 3. <clears throat> and the eyes of them both were opened. In verse 7. And they knew that they were naked. They took one another. And they sewed fig leaves together, did the works of their hands. That's the first thing they did. That's what. That's exactly what Cain continued to do. And evidently, where did Abel get the idea that he was supposed to offer a blood sacrifice? From his father. Couldn't have got it anywhere else but that. It was an instruction. I believe Adam told both of them, give a blood sacrifice. 
Adam wouldn't have told him wrong. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord. Why they make themselves aprons? Because they had gotten together intimately. And they were ashamed that they'd done something that they knew they hadn't had permission to do. And they conceived, and Cain's going to be born, and Eve's going to say, I got this man from God because God said he would multiply my conception. She knew nothing about becoming pregnant. Nothing. Nobody had ever been pregnant before. Nobody had ever been born after nine months pregnancy. She didn't know nothing about that. Verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, You think you actually meant, Where are you in the garden? It's like God doesn't know where he is. What he's talking about, Where are you spiritually, Adam? He knew everything about the garden. He knew exactly where he was. Where art thou? And he said, I heard the voice, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I had done something. You hadn't put your approval on yet. I'd taken the woman. It has to be this way because she's pregnant. When you get later in this chapter, she's got to have gotten it from Adam. I'll multiply your pregnancy, not your future being pregnant. I'll multiply your pregnancy. And you already got it. And I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Now, if God's talking to you, now I've heard preachers say, well, he passed the book to Eve. No, he didn't. If the living God says, who told you you were naked? You're going to go, the woman told me I was. She told me I was because she wanted me. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee, saying thou shalt not eat? God knew exactly what was going on. And the man said, The woman which whom thou gavest to me, she's the one that gave me of the tree, and I did eat. I don't believe Adam ate of the tree for any other reason. He was not deceived. Do you know that? The Bible says in First Timothy, look at that real quick. First Timothy, second chapter. The very end of the chapter will tell you about Adam and Eve. Here in First Timothy, second chapter, verse thirteen. For Adam was not what well, Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. He wasn't deceived. Why? He got the message directly from God. He wasn't deceived. But the woman being deceived, apatao, deluded. She was deluded by the serpent. You know what she was deluded by? Serpent is the word nakash. Now, kosh comes from another word that's spelled just like that. It means to enchant. 
she was enchanted by the serpent made to be made to feel good about everything Adam was not deceived but the woman being deceived was in the transgression notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety she was saved now let's get back over here to Adam and Eve in Genesis the third chapter you know how much there is in these first few chapters of Genesis I've already said the first chapter is a predestination chapter the earth is created in innocence and then Satan is cast into the earth between the first and second verses and and the Bible says and the earth was without form and void and darkness that's the nature of Satan then you look over there in the 12th chapter of Revelation Satan is cast into the earth by Michael the archangel and the fallen angels are locked in Tartarus and Satan is in the earth and he causes all the earth and all the universe to be to be corrupted with sin the Bible says that the stars are not clean the stars are not pure in Job 25 and 5 the Bible says the moon is not clean and the heavens are not clean in Job 15 and 15 the moon is not clean it's all corrupt all of our universe was corrupt and then God reached out and picked up corrupt dust and formed Adam of the dust to the ground he formed Yatsar, which is a word is the word potter. That's not the creation. He created Adam when he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's creation. Now where was I? All right. <clears throat> now we've said here that Adam Adam was not deceived. You know, I believe he ate of the tree. He wanted to die and be with his wife. That's why I believe he did it. He wasn't deceived. He couldn't stay separated from her from then on. He wants to be with her. So they come together sexually and conceive, and Cain is a bastard son. And he offers the works of his hands. Let's go back over to, let's read it one more time in that third chapter. Let's read verse 15 and 16. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. He's talking to the serpent. And between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his hell. It, thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, now, realize, the next sentence, he's talking to Eve. Eve is standing there with the serpent, and she's listening to God talk to the serpent, saying, I'll put the enmity between thee and thy seed and her seed. I really want you to see this, is because she's listening to God talk to the serpent. Then he tells her, I'll multiply your conception. She puts together, I'll put enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And she gets that confused. 
and she thinks the seed that God's talking about that conquers the world is her virgin-born son, Cain, because God says, I'll put this in you. So she comes up and says, in verse 1 of the next chapter, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten this man. She did not say, notice something she didn't say. She said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Now, when Arnold Murray says Cain and Abel were twins, they couldn't have been twins because Cain, being the firstborn, was left completely out of the inheritance. Proof of that is the fourth chapter. When you get to Cain, you get to Cain in verse 16 and his lineage Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born to Arad. Notice, all of Cain's people don't trace back to God. He's not a son of God. But... When you get over there to chapter 5, this is the righteous lineage of God. And it starts, before I read verse 5, chapter 5, verse 1, I want you, after Cain kills Abel, let me just go ahead and read some earlier part of this chapter 4. In the process of time, verse 3, now when i got to back up to verse 2. And she again bare his brother Abel. Not at the same time she bore Cain. This is a completely different conception what God's multiplying. And Abel was a keeper of the ground, a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And Cain was proud of all of his gardening. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstlings of the flock. Evidently, Adam had told him a blood sacrifice. Why? They had covered themselves with fig leaves, the works of their hands. What's amazing, there's a verse over in the previous chapter verse 21 it tells you what God said they need to be covered with verse 21 of chapter 3 and unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins God had to kill an animal in the garden you know what I believe he killed a lamb and covered Adam and Eve's nakedness with a blood offering Remember, baptized means to cover with a stain or die. So the first baptism is in the garden, isn't it? Absolutely. <clears throat> and clothe them with it. Yeah. That's amazing because in the seventh chapter of Revelation, he's washed from our sins in his own blood, and our robes are made white in the blood of Christ. We were, we're clothed with a blood covering. Baptized means to cover with a stain or die.
so you go back there and you see the blood sacrificed to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness. Actually, what is it for? What's a blood offering for? To cover sin. Now, the main reason, one of the main reasons Cain was a bastard was because he was conceived before the marriage vows. The marriage vows will tell you what they are when you start in verse 17 of chapter 2. Unto Adam he said, so he's talked to the serpent in verse 15. He's talked to Eve in verse 16. Now he's going to talk to Adam. And he's going to give Adam the marriage vows, but Cain is already in the womb of his mother-to-be, Eve. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. <clears throat> and here's your marriage vow, which you're going to have to do. And in sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken. For dust thou out and the dust thou shalt return. Adam, you're going to have to work and supply for your wife food. This is more or less the vow of marriage here. But she's already pregnant. She is evidently going to have this bastard son, Cain, that has no inheritance of the kingdom of God. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Eve means mother of all. When we say the Jews would call Friday Sabbath Eve, the mother of the Sabbath. Anything that came before that was to mother it, they called Eve. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothed them. Now, so Adam, uh, Cain, Cain offers the works of his field, of his works of his hands you're supposed to give up the works of your hands to enter into God's Sabbath it takes a without the shedding of blood there's no remission no forgiveness of sin now I want us to look further into this chapter then Cain goes into the land of not God nod he leaves the garden and he goes and the Bible says in the 25th verse of chapter 4 this is important as to what I've been talking about Adam knew Yada means the sexual intimacy means progenitor a progenitor is one who is going to father some people Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. 
Seth means substitute. For God said she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew. Remember, the surviving son is going to firstborn is going to be in the place of the one who died. So you get to chapter 5 and you get to the sons of God. They trace all the way back to God. Thus, the book of the generations of Adam. Cain is not in his generations. You won't find Cain anywhere in this chapter. In the book of the generations of Adam, in the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them, and blessed them and called their name Adam. So this is God creating Adam. This is Adam's generation. There's no Cain in it. According to Jewish law, the firstborn got all of the inheritance. He has no inheritance. He's a bastard son. And in the day when they were created, and Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Seth was the substitute for Abel. So when you get into this chapter, this is Abel's lineage. Right here in the fifth chapter, the surviving son was Seth. You're going to find this all through the Old Testament. And then Seth has a son. Let me put these down. This is very interesting. Adam means red. People say, well, Adam, uh, are these black people or red people? Well, means red, Adam. Adam is a form of Edom. Means red. That's like my skin is not white, it's pinkish. Has more red to it. Adam had a son called his name Seth. And Seth had a son. Of course, let's put it up here like this. Seth. Substitute. Seth means substitute what it means. Then Seth had a son named Enosh. E-N-O-W-S-H. E-N-O. Enosh. Enosh means man or servant. This is a description of Christ. Man or servant. And then Enosh has a son. His name is Canaan. Q-E-Y-N-A-N. Q-E-Y. This is the Hebrew word. N-A-N. Canaan. Means house. Fixed chamber or dwelling house. Fixed chamber 
our dwelling. This is talking about Christ, or it's talking about us with Christ in us. So, the substitute for our sins was Christ. He was a man, and he was the house of God, and we are God's house. And then Canaan had a son named Mahalalel. M-A-H-A-L-A-L-E-L-E-L. M-A-H-A-L-L-E-L. Mahalalel. E-L. Mahalalel comes from halal. You remember halal? means praise. God says, my praise will I give to another. And L, it means the praise of L, or praise of God. So this substitute will be a servant of God. It will be the house of God, and it will praise God. Now let's keep going here. Mahalalel has a son. His name is Jared. Y-A-R-E-D. Jared is a form of the word Yardan, Y-A-R-D-E-N, Y-A-R-D-E-N, which is the common word Jordan in the Old Testament. Jesus is the praise of God, and God comes down when he is baptized in the Jordan, says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, please means the praise of God. Jordan, so he goes down into the Jordan. And he comes up in the next verse. And Halal has a son. My, Jared has a son. His name is Enoch. C-H-A-N-A-K. C-H-A-N-A-K. Kanak means narrow. So the narrow way is when we go through the baptism. Jesus went down into the Jordan, and the true baptism is the narrow way, according to Luke 3 and 3. And then when he goes down into the Jordan, that's the narrow way. That's the word narrow. And Enoch has a son, and he's called Methuselah. M-E-T-H-U-S-E-L-A-H. It means man of dart. A dart was a spear. And it means piercing. A man of piercing. Pierces the word parasmos. A parazo, P-E-R. P-E-I-R-A-Z-O in the Greek. That means to pierce. And then the word, it comes from the word parasmos, P-E-I-R-A-S-M-O-S, which is the word temptation or trial. Thinking not strange, temptation or trial. And when you go through the trial of God, then you come to a place. 
Methuselah has a son whose name is Lamech. And Lamech means vigorous. And the longer and the more tribulation you go through, the more strong. It means a man that's strong. It makes you strong in the Lord when you go through piercing and trials and you become strong. People say, How can you be strong? You have to learn a lot of these words, a lot of these a lot of these Greek and Hebrew words so you can understand. And then Lamech has a son whose name is Nuwak. N-U-W-A-C-H. It's the word Noah. And it means rest. Rest. And we can rest. And Noah has a... Three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the the authority goes to Shem, and Shem is the word. Same word as name all through the Old Testament. Let us make us a name, and the name of God is Shem, and it means authority. We can rest. We can rest in the authority of God. Do you think these names are accidents? God has a son. His name was Adam. And the substitute is Christ. He was man, the servant. He was the house of God. And he's the praise of God. And he goes into the Jordan. He's washed. And we go into the narrow way, which is the true washing. The Bible says in Luke, Luke 3 and 3, that John came preaching the baptism of repentance, which was prepare you the way, and that's the baptism, and it's that's the narrow way, and that's a man of piercing, and we can rest in all these things of God, in God's authority and His words. And that's what you've got in this chapter. Now, how much time do I have, Mike? 27. Now, I've been trying to tell you that Cain had no, he was a bastard son. He had no inheritance in the kingdom of God. If you have an inheritance, you're going to have to be scourged by God and cause you to be obedient and get rid of that outer man over time. I know that because I had the inner man, I had the outer man alive and well when I was young. God had to beat me severely. He beat me, put me in the hospital, nearly killed me. He didn't kill me, but he nearly did. Now, there's so much more on this, I want you to understand. I want us to go and look at another picture of the second born. Supposed to carry on the... There's a real famous bastard in the Bible. Real famous. He was a judge in Israel. His name was Jephthah. Jephthah was, that's in Judges. The 11th chapter. 
And the Bible says that he had no inheritance in Israel. And because he was a bastard, they ran him out of town. They threw him out. No inheritance. You're a bastard. You're not honorable. But Jephthah was a mighty warrior. And they got under attack. Look look, look at a little bit of that. Go to Judges 11 chapter. Whether we are bastards or not doesn't have anything to do with whether we're bastards literally. It's whether we are beaten or not and God adopts us into his kingdom. And he adopts those that he wants to. Look here in Judges. You had a whole bunch of judges. You had Othniel and you had Ehud and you had Deborah and you had Gideon. You had just a whole bunch of them. The last judge was Samuel. He was the 13th judge. Now, we're talking about bastard sons. Look in the 11th chapter. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. Boy, he was a guy that was tough to deal with. It came to war. He was a great leader. And he was the son of an harlot. And they didn't like that in Israel. And Gilead begat Jephthah of a strange woman. Went out and had an affair with a woman. And Gilead's wife bare him sons. And his wife's sons grew up. The ones that were legitimate. And they thrust out Jephthah. And said unto him. Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house. You're a bastard. Get out of here. Only thing is he was a mighty man of valor. He was something that could handle their enemies. For thou art the son of a strange woman. You're not even our full brother. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob. Means a place of worthless and emptiness. And there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. And it came to pass in the process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. Ammon was what we call northern Jordan. It was right across the Jordan River. It was like so. If this is Israel, here's the Mediterranean Sea. Here's Egypt down here. Here's the Sinai Peninsula. This is Israel. This is the Gaza Strip or the land of Anak. And over here is Jordan. This is the land of Ammon here. When they cast out Jephthah, they threw him over here in the land of Ammon. Northern Jordan. Ha. What verse was I in? Four. Four. Came to pass in process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. 
And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gideon went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. <laughs> I think that's funny. Get out, you're a son of a harlot. Get out of here. We need you, Jephthah, to deliver us. What a bunch of hypocrites and liars Israel was back then. But they seem to have always been that way. They said to Jephthah, come and be our captain that we may fight with the children of Ammon. We need a fierce leader and that's you're the only one we know of. <laughs> it's just like people, isn't it? When I need you, I'll call for you. Jephthah said unto the elders of Gideon, do not ye hate me and expel me out of your father's house. Don't you hate me? And why are you coming to me now? And when are you in distress? They didn't have anybody that was a great leader. He was a, what does it say? A mighty man of valor. And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon, the Ammonites. The Ammonites were the same people that were fighting Israel when David sent Uriah into the heat of battle. Remember that? And be our head over the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead. Now, I want to make a deal with you. (laughs) If you bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, Am I going to be your leader? Am I going to be the head of Israel? Huh? Tell me. I think this is kind of comical here to me. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us if we do not according to thy words. We're ready to do anything. We can't fight the Ammonites. Then Jephthah evidently was a good, a mili- a excellent military arranger, advisor. Knew how to fix everything up and set up the different uh, companies in the Israel. And Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. So Jephthah was a believer. He's speaking to the Lord. Being a bastard doesn't mean anything in the flesh. If you don't get the scourge of God, he doesn't chastise you so you can be a partaker of his holiness. Then that's when you're a bastard, no son of God. And Jephthah sent messengers unto the king of the children of Ammon, saying, What hast thou to do with me that thou art come against me to fight in my land? And the king of the children of Ammon answered, under the message of Jephthah, because Israel took away my land when they came out of Egypt. It wasn't your land. God had given it hundreds of years before to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was Jacob's land. His name was changed to Israel. From Arnon even to Jabbok and to Jordan, now therefore restore these lands again peaceably. And Jephthah sent a message. Now they're saying, you stole our land. Not according to the Bible they didn't. They were just out of pocket for a long time. They came back and said, we're taking back the land that we had original title deed to. 
the messengers came into the king of the children of Ammon and said unto him, Thus saith Jephthah. Here's Jephthah's words to you when you're saying, Give back this land of Israel. Israel took not away the land of Moab, nor the land of the children of Ammon. We didn't take that from you. God gave it to Jacob and Abraham hundreds of years before. And when Israel came up from Egypt and walked through the wilderness and into the Red Sea and came to Kadesh, then Israel sent messengers unto the king of Edom, which is south of Israel as they're coming out of the as they're coming out of this they're coming out of the desert into Edom, which is right below Israel, that's the land of Esau. And we asked them if we did give us safe passage to there, and they said no. And what you're doing, you're fighting God when you find the Israelites. I pray thee pass through the land, but the king of Edom would not hearken thereto. And in like manner they sent unto the king of Moab, but he would not consent in Israel abode in Kadesh, because they had no passage through the land of Edom, which is south of Israel. It's the land of Esau. Then they went along through the wilderness and compassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab and came by the east side of the land of Moab. So they came by Moab and came through through Edom and came through and came through the east side came through the east side of the land of Moab and pitched in the other side of Arnon and came out not within the border of Moab for Arnon was in the border of Moab so they came up on the eastern side of Moab as they headed back to Israel after the 40 years in the wilderness and I'm going to jump through this because I've got to get to some other things. And they went through the land of the Amorites in verse 23. I've read about the Amorites. It says the Amorites were all of the difference. It was a composite of all the Hittites, Perizzites, the Jebusites, all these ites altogether were called Amorites and they had possessed the land of Israel since Israel had been 400 years in Egypt so they just moved in when these guys are saying this is our land and you get out of our land and we, we we're going to attack Israel because we want our land back that you possessed and Jephthah says not your land not according to God Jephthah is a he's a uh, uh, a very wise leader. Now he goes. Let's look at where Jephthah goes in and attacks him. In verse twenty nine. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh. Now Manasseh is. You can see it over here. They're coming out of 40 years in the wilderness, going through Edom. Here's Edom, like I said, south of Israel. They go over here east of Moab and coming up in this area here. And when you get up into Manasseh, Manasseh, they're 
kind of going up towards Manasseh. Manasseh's up here. But they're going to get ready to cross the land, and they're going to cross and land at Gilgal. And they're going to repossess the land that was given to Abraham about 600 years before. And then it was given to Isaac and then Jacob. And they're saying it belongs to us. And they're saying, and Jephthah's saying, no, it doesn't. God gave it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob long before you came along. So Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt deliver, if thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands, I'm going to make this vow to you. Now, Jephthah was a great soldier, but he wasn't a great scholar. wasn't a great theologian. He promised God something that God would not be pleased with. Then shall be whatsoever cometh forth out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon after I've whipped them all. This is what we call northern Jordan right next door to Israel shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Whatever meets me out of the door of my house. Do I have any time, Mike? Twelve. Twelve. Maybe I can finish this. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them. In his hands, into his hands, and he smote them from Aror, which is, Eraor was a name that they called it, but it was the, it was the area of Gad. So they're coming out of the wilderness after 40 years, going up east of Moab, going up here to Gad, and they're going to cross the river. And the first place they hit the, the old land of Israel is Gilgal. That's the first place they go in and camp. So he's talking about the land of Gad when he says, you look at that map there, that's where Joshua divided up all the land to the different tribes. And he smote them from Aror, which is Gad, till they'll come to Meneth, which is four Roman miles from Heshbon, eastern border of the plains of Moab. Even so, we're talking about Moab and Ammon there. Moab, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. All that was considered. It was Israel. This is why they're mad. This is. The Ammonites are living in all this area here. They're calling it Ammon. And when Joshua came in, he set up all the tribes with their boundaries and their borders, and they're living in the land, the Ammonites. This would be northern Jordan. This would be northern Jordan, the land of Ammon. This would be southern Jordan, the land of Moab. And it actually belonged to Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. Those are the children of Jacob. Belonged to them. So Jephthah is the one that's delivering them from the Ammonites and the Moabites. This map tells the truth about who it belongs to. And that was in the book of Joshua. So, we're talking about this bastard son, how he delivers Israel.
Then he promises God, whoever comes out of the house first, offer them as a burnt offering. And that was a foolish promise. Jephthah was a great warrior, but he wasn't a very good scholar. God would never accept an offering of a human being. In verse 24, Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out first. Oh, man. He's good. oh, I'm sick. I've offered the, I said I would offer a burnt offering of the first person to come out of the house and met me. First of all, you have no business, Jephthah. You're a great military leader, but you have no business offering a human being as a sacrifice. And he doesn't. And behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. This was his only inheritance. It came to pass when he saw her, he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low. I didn't know it would be you. And said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me low. Thou art one of Thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. But he has to, because God's not going to accept that. And she said unto him, his daughter said, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth, for as much as the Lord that the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of the Ammonites or northern Jordan. Jordan is right next door to Israel. They are terrified of Israel even in this day and time because Israel's got over 800 nuclear warheads. Jordan is right next door or the land of Ammon. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done. Let me alone two months that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my fellow. So what what she says, you're not going to offer me as a sacrifice. God's not pleased with that. I'll be a virgin the rest of my life. And I'll not have any children. And you won't have any grandsons or granddaughters. That's the price he paid for a foolish statement. And he said, Go, and he sent her away for two months, and she went with her company and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And the worst thing that could happen in Israel is not to have any children, not to have any kids, not to have any any genetic follow-up, no sons. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned to her father, who did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed, and she knew no man. And it was a custom in Israel that if you promise this, it was a custom, you'll not have any children. She never got married. He had no grandchildren. All because of a foolish promise. That the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, Four, day, four days in a year. Kind of reminds us of David. 
how he numbered Israel and he died in his old age in shame because he had been proud and said and God provoked him to number Israel and God sent the death angel to kill 70,000 people in Israel who were innocent I've got more I got another another story on the surviving son I'll do that next week am I out of time Mike five minutes I can't go through this. I hope you can understand about Cain. Cain offered the works of his hands. He did not cease his own works, and he did not enter into God's rest or God's Sabbath. He had to get out of town. He had to go to the land of Nob. There's so much on this. Given marriage, I was going to tell you, It can't be the sons of God marrying the daughters of men. The sons of God are the descendants of Seth in the fifth chapter. The daughters of men, whenever you find sons of men, I need to finish this up next week. Sons of men was a term for Gentiles. I was going to tell you that I believe that when Noah went into the ark, that one of the descendants, maybe you can kind of put some of this together. When Noah went into the ark, it was Noah, his wife, his three sons, Shem, Ham. Let me put it this way. Shem, Japheth and Ham. Japheth was the firstborn, the Bible says so. Shem was secondborn, and Ham was the third child of Noah. Out of Ham, grandson Nimrod came became Babel or Babylon Babylon. And out of Nimrod became the the false virgin birth. The false virgin birth would be the sun gods. And it was said they were all virgin born. Where did that start? It had to have started. Ham must have married one of the descendants of Cain and taken the, the wife, went into the ark, with Ham, when he came out, they started talking about the sun gods. His grandson Nimrod started talking about the sun gods were virgin born. Of course, that was a, was a myth, and they weren't. So when you've got the you got the Christmas system or the fire worship and the tree worship, that all started from Babylon out of Nimrod, and it came from Ham. He must have married one of Cain's descendants, one of the daughters of men, and took it into the ark and come out. And they said, let us build us a city and a tower and let us make us a name. Let us make a name for ourselves. Name is the word Shem, and it means authority. We'll make up our own authority, 
And it all came out of Ham. He must have taken it into the ark because it goes back to Eve in Genesis 4 and 1 where she said, I've gotten a virgin-born son from God. I got it from God. I didn't get pregnant from any man. That's kind of what she was saying. And And I believe Ham took it into the ark when he married a daughter of Cain. It had to start somewhere. There's so much to this. You cannot have sons of God marrying daughters of men being fallen angels. That comes out of Ginsburg's Legends of the Jews. It's a seven-volume set I've got in my library that tell you that they taught in the ancient world these were fallen angels come down that goes back to Adolf Hitler. He was looking for an Aryan or a superior race when he sent Himmler to Tibet. I'm out of time. I'll come back to this next week. To me, this is very interesting to see this. I really believe that Cain was illegitimate because he was conceived out of wedlock. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Help us to understand and see these things, Lord. Help the flock, Lord. Strengthen them. Let them grow in truth. Help us to see your word more and more clear every day. Fight our battles. We'll praise you for everything in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for it all.